generally I don't give any cash. Anyone who's around my businesses that I feel can help, I give them options. I give them shares. I don't actually give them cash. I want them to have true skill in the game. If my business does well, they do well. My business doesn't do well, then you know they don't do well either. It's all we're all one team. We're all tied together. If you're an advisor, you realize the upside in what we're building, and you'd rather have shares. The moment they ask for cash, I'm like, no, 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 this is not this is not the right person. Welcome to Happy Millionaire, a show about how to make profit with a positive impact and stay happy along the way. First of all, how excited are you about the podcast awards? Your boy is going to be uh, presenting an award on Saturday. You're coming with. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm excited. Yeah, you're obviously presenting an award. So I'm just excited to just see what the what the group of people are like in, in that room. Right. I'm not. I'm not really part of the podcast community. Who, who do you want to meet? There's going to be quite a few big podcasters out there, man. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about like, like you know, some pretty big podcasters. Who who would you want to meet? Like there's no, I don't really have a favorite podcaster. I, I do really like different flavors from different folks. I think I really like what Rangan's doing. I think, you know, he's a really deep dude as well. So I really, probably if he's there, it'd be good to see him. I think Fern Cotton's like really fun, exciting person. So um, obviously Stephen Bartlett's doing, I think his podcast is great as well. So I think these are the ones that I've listened to previously. So, Mate, Steve has got like some weird knack of like making all of his guests cry. Like I've been watching some of his, his reels will always like pop up whenever I'm on Instagram. And it's just of his guests is like bawling. Like he's got Malcolm Gladwell, I think on this week, he's bawling his eyes out. Simon Sinek was like, you know, choking up. I'm pretty sure Adesanya as well was like, crying his eyes. This guy's like the, the the modern male version of Oprah Winfrey. He's just like creating breakdowns. <laughs> I think that's secret. You gotta start crying. You know what? He's just a great life coach. Like essentially it's like a life coach session, I feel like that's how he set it up, right? He's really going deep. He'll find the trauma and he just, in a weird way, he's like healing that person I feel as well. Like, okay, there's probably some done for the public for us, like it might be a bit more dramatic, but at the end of the day, like I feel like it's just a, it's like, it's like a, it's a watching into someone's life coach session, right? That's how I see it. Cool. What, uh, what do you have on your list? So it's actually about team meetings, right? So I don't know, like everyone loves and hates them, right? Um, everyone has them and it's literally, it's a coin flip whether the meeting's going to be good or not, right? And it's one of those things where like there's so many problems with it. Like, I'm not, I don't really want to talk about the classic ones, right? And if we want, we can dive into it. But there's a few, there's basically one thing that I've noticed, like this year, more than ever. It's something that happens all the time in meetings, but people just don't realize. So therefore, it's just like, it doesn't really get any recognition. And I really think it's probably something that would help the meeting so much if this happened. Basically, what it is, is people really being comfortable with silences. So I don't know if you've noticed, but as soon as there's a silence in a meeting, literally everyone feels this anxiety and just has to speak or say something um, because they don't, you know, I guess it's that element of loneliness. is that worry that, hey, if we're not speaking, we're not one team. I just feel that if we can have that silence, it creates a bit more space to reflect and think and also take in what's happening. If you actually compare like Eastern, the Eastern and the Western side, like of philosophies or culture, right? The Eastern actually really appreciate silences. They take it in there. It's their moment to take in the moment, feel the energy of that person, of the situation. Whereas on the Western side, it's like, hey, who, you know, let's just talk. Let's keep on talking. 
I mean, I, I've never really thought about silences in meetings. The only connotations I have with silence is when there's an awkward discussion going on. So when I think of silence, I think of, okay, shit's going down or there's some stagnation in the energy in the room rather than this actually being like a nice space for us to appreciate. If there was a pause, it's usually because like someone's sharing something on their screen or they are like quickly writing a URL in the chat or whatever. I don't really feel that like there's that space for a silence uh, or reflection. But yeah, maybe, I mean, I, I haven't really thought about that. And you're right about the Eastern philosophy, like people wanting to embrace that sort of um, space for growth. But in the context of a meeting, I always associate that silence with something not happening or, uh, or something being off. So I've really like looked into this, right? And like, look at the example of like Amazon, right? Everyone knows how they do their meetings. In the first like 20, 30 minutes, like it's legendary and known that they would re- sit there within the group and they would go through like the agenda of the meeting, and then they would have a conversation. People put their ideas together, and then there'll be a conversation. Essentially, like if there's a meeting, there'll be a strict agenda that is being created by the person who's leading the meeting, and there's an opportunity also for people to write their notes, their thoughts into the document, and this would then be all shared before the meeting. What's then happened is there's a document with everyone's thoughts, or especially the person who's organised the meeting. It's all there, so there's real context on what's going to be discussed, and also like talking items so these are the you know i guess the sub conversations that could happen so it's all been like thought through therefore that stops that whole flow of a conversation sometimes i'm sure you've been there or even like even with friends right you have a conversation and there's it's like i see sometimes conversation like trees and there's like branches and like you know you're supposed to stay up the stem and like but then suddenly you go down some random branch and then in the end you're like down some random twig and you're like i don't know how we got here but like that's what i feel happens in meeting so this is the amazon's approach was to hey look let's add some structure in and also it probably gives it an opportunity for like introverts to like to share their thoughts because you know when you do have a room full of extroverts like the introverts sadly sometimes don't get an opportunity to speak and then you have to speak to them at the end of the meeting or um, i remember i did a linkedin post about this and it's actually like one of my one of my most popular posts and it was just me talking and mentioning that that introverts you know it's not about who's the loudest person in the room is actually and you know, the best thing sometimes with introverts is just to actually approach them before or after the meeting so that you can understand or be aware of their ideas because they don't get a chance to speak sometimes. Are you an introvert? <laughs> I feel I'm both, right? I think all humans have got aspects of both. And I feel that, you know, innately, you, we're going to be more than one. Like, I feel like we're born to be more introvert or extrovert, but over time you start being more aware and more conscious to hopefully be aware of where you are and become more balanced right because i think i believe like in life you have to have that balance yeah yeah i I definitely see that with you mate because i've known you when you were j yieldify radia which is where like you know very energetic (laughs) very vocal quite loud in a good way, like it wasn't annoying, or at least to me, it wasn't annoying. I think it was like, you know, high energy, high energy. And there's also what I describe as 
Jay Shetty Rodia, which is where like, you know, you're talking about branches and like making sure the introverts are, are included and you know, you're, you're like feeling energy and stuff. And I know it sounds like I'm taking the piss. I, I, I am a little bit, but I think it's important it's to have those- Go for it, I'll get some revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's important to have those different elements in the business because, and also, you know, bringing that stuff to the workplace because it's more productive that way, uh, I find. Um, it, it can't just all be about like, go, go, go. I, it, it brings me actually to, uh, I didn't put this in the topics, but there's a, a, a relatively recent book by um, uh, this professor at a, a business school in America. I'm going to butcher exactly where he was. Uh, but the, the book's called The Voltage Effect. I don't know if you've come across it. He was the economic advisor for Uber. And then he also... Uh, went to Lyft almost immediately afterwards. And the whole book is about the culture of scale-ups and actually how you instill a culture that is scalable. And so he cut his teeth basically at Uber. And it made me think of that actually when you're talking about Amazon, because it was quite an aggressive place to, to work at. Like you had to be prepared to go to battle when you're in meetings, because otherwise you ain't gonna get heard. And you know he's an economics professor, so he was used to those sort of like academic battles that you tend to have. But that in a workplace sort of like built the culture around like always, always doing better. But it meant that loads of people got left behind. Is that something that's necessary for a big business? Can you actually have like a a unicorn or a decacorn where we are being a lot more inclusive? Are there any examples of that? I mean, the one that everyone always sort of falls back on is like Patagonia, but are there like are there literal examples of like other companies that have had better listening culture and all that kind of stuff that have actually worked? But then like, let's say the example of like Elon Musk and Tesla and those companies, I'm not exactly how their meetings are run like fully, but I know Elon Musk always takes time with answering his questions. You've seen on like an interview, like he does take, he's a prime example of someone who does appreciate the silence and that pause. And he really goes into his trance because I've realized that it's usually when I take that break, that silence moment is when I'm able to really check in inside and like try to um, go deeper in my mind or even in my heart. Like I can go deeper because I'm that silence gives me that peace and that space. My, my perspective is perhaps a little bit less forgiving than yours is now. Maybe it's because I haven't gone through as much learning as you, but I'm always like, no, you've got to be a little bit more on the hustle side and the grind side. And if, you, if you're if you not getting yourself yeah. heard, then you're just going to get left behind. And this isn't the place for you. That's it. Like, there's no participation awards here. I, I still believe, like, you know, you can create a happy workplace, but I'm also of the opinion that uh, there are certain places where certain personalities are either built or they're suited for versus being an inclusive environment for all different sorts of of personalities. But my, my, my opinion on that might change, you know, in the future. Anyway, that was a good thread. Um, let's, I'm happy to, let's, why don't we jump on one of yours? What, where do What's I go? Mind? I think we should do a weekly segment of uh, Rupees Weekly Woes. <laughs> of like things that I'm thinking about or struggling with when it comes to the business side of things. We, we talked a little bit about culture, but I, I guess the thing that I'm struggling with right now is separating myself from working in the business and focusing on strategy, which is working outside the business. And I was told by a friend of mine to read this book called uh, The E-Myth. I, I don't know if you've 
Have you read it? The E-Myth? It's quite a popular book. But basically, it, it, it's about that. It's about how entrepreneurs are essentially sucked into the day-to-day -day a bit too much and they don't get to strategize about how they get their business from point A to point B and B being you know, a scale-up or something whereby you've created a machine that works by itself. And I'm very integral to the, the business. I mean, A, it started out from a personal brand, so there's already that tie there. Uh, but also like, you know, I'm just figuring this stuff out as I go along. So there's a few options here. And this happens in probably a lot of, it's happened in loads of my businesses as well. So yours is a bit more different in that you've got different arms. Like you actually have like a media arm, which you've got your books, you've got your podcasting. Like, so you have got different arms. It's a bit more different. So what I would do is, and this is what I normally do, is making sure each unit can really operate without you. And I know that's hard because with the social medium, with you doing podcasts, so therefore you need to make sure that everything else is essentially done by other people or your yeah. team is supporting and you're just needed on, so for example, on actually the recording piece or, you know, on the media it's like, hey, just can you just approve certain content? You need to essentially be in a place where all of the operational tasks are not being done by you and you are simply helping to do the vision, the strategy, and you're also the person who's getting the final look. You know, in my mind, you see that in a company when you have like a CEO and you have like a COO. So a COO is running the operations of the business, right? And the CEO comes in who sets the visions, the direction, and you know, they sometimes don't get into the weeds. Like they made sure that they only are needed in certain parts. I think your bigger question is like, are all of the arms going to be different business units within one? So like, you know, take the classic example of like Disney, right? Disney has got its um, TV subscription, it's got its theme parks, it's got its like animations, it's got Pixar. Like each one has got a different CEO, right? And a different person running it. And then there's someone right on the top making sure the business units are going. So I guess you need to work out, it's like, are they all connected truly, right? Or can the same person run the whole thing? So I think I'm sort of doing that, but I need to do that with all the other elements of, of the business, like, you know, uh, the structure of the, the podcast and like, you know, how we upload things to uh, Acast or other podcast players, uh, even like, you know, the way in which we do research and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm thinking through that. I'll keep you updated. Uh, There's a slightly left field question. What do you think of business coaches? As in like employing a business coach or like getting a, a consultant business coach? We'll get back to the episode in a second. I just want to tell you about something that I've made, especially for the listeners of this podcast. It's my five crucial lessons from creating startups worth $500 million. You can download them from our website, happymillionaire.club. There's a link in the description, so please give it a click. Now, back to the show. I feel they are good. I feel, you know, over time as a business, you'll it'll evolve. Like first business coaches are good because you need help to operate the business like to essentially create your operating system. So, you know, what sometimes people aren't aware of, if you're running a business and like you're the founder and an experienced like founder and a CEO, you realize that the best businesses have great operating systems, right? And operating system is really like a dashboard or some form of place where you've got all the metrics, all the initiatives, like everything's all in one place and you can track the health of the business, right? It's very accessible. However, some like, you know, if you're a founder or first time person, like, you know, person who's running a business, like you don't know how to run a business, right? Like, how do you know the health of a business? Like, yes, you've got the obvious stuff, but like there is a system. You need to have an operating system to run the business. So a business coach can help you to develop that. I, I you know, my main question on the business coach is like, yeah, what do you want them for? Is it to help you to run the business or is it more someone to talk to? 
or when you have challenges and people issues or business issues? Is it a life coaching as well? Like, you know, they're helping you through personal issues as well. So I feel it's very important that you are aware of what you need at that moment in time. I, you know, more important is like just making sure their experience is also aligned with yours or as in what you need. There's a difference, right? I think there's also the monetary value in the exchange of value. Um, so like I can ask you loads of questions about business. You can give me some advice and that advice comes from the heart and you're like, you know, you're being very genuine. We've known each other for years or whatever. And I've got a few other people who are in similar situations where they're running businesses, big, small, whatever, startup. But there's a difference when there's uh, a financial exchange. But yeah, I'll just interested to know your thoughts on on business coaches in general as to as to whether you think it's a good idea for start startup entrepreneurs well it, it just really depends on the structure right having a coach is good like i've always had a coach and i feel the most important aspect in that is and it's a uh, thing is nasim talib the and i've read his book it's great it's called skin in the game what's interesting okay so what the structure you have is that you've got essentially skin in the game like you're paying him so therefore you're hoping the information he gives is going to be great and actually when you do pay there is stat there's you know there's a lot of information out there test experiments being done if you pay for something um you start taking things a bit more serious and you actually apply it versus you know if it's given for free but the fact that you're paying him will mean you'll take his action um <laughs> may mean you may not take my action yeah and it may be yeah, better yeah. but you know that, that's an interesting thought right yeah yeah that is a good point because i'll, I'll be honest i'm paying this guy uh uh, two two thousand a month uh, for two two for two two hour sessions. So it's fairly expensive. Maybe not as expensive as you, uh, but I get you for free. Yeah, I feel you know where we're going with this. Yeah, if you pay, I feel yeah you're more likely to appreciate it. And also, you know, the other item I wanted to say was that you know skin in the game. Like one thing I do now is that with any advisors or business coaches or I don't want to say business coaches, but more like advisors or anyone who's around my businesses that I feel can help. I give them options. I give them shares. I don't actually give them cash. Generally, I don't give any cash because I want them to have true skin in the game um, where, you know, if my business does well, they do well. Um, if my business doesn't do well, then, you know, they don't do well either. It's all, we're all one team. We're all tied together. But I think for coaches, look, it's a bit different. Like that is their livelihood, I think, for advisors. So it really depends at what scale you're doing it. But yeah, for advisors, I don't give, I don't generally give any cash. I, I don't believe if you're an advisor, you realize the upside in what we're building um, and you'd rather have shares. Yeah. Remember they ask for cash, I'm like, no, 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 this is not, this is not the right person. So I, I agree with that. I, yeah. So I think you might, it might be worth having a conversation, see if he would structure it. I, I, I don't like those tables of like how much the advisor goes. I feel it really depends on how much time they're putting in. I like to look at it from an hour's perspective and then I tie it back to, you know, how much my company's worth. And then I create like an option pool essentially. And, you know, my company may double, triple, go 10, 20, 30x. So, and, they, and they, they're part of that journey. So they get that upside. So Nice one. All right. Good thread. What, um, what is on your list, bro? The next one is I want to dive deeper into a topic which I think is like really important. Everyone talks about it and um, they sometimes don't know where to start or it's just quite a dense topic or people don't believe it's powerful. Um, and it's actually the art of story. It's going to be a J. Oh, I knew um, it. It's going to be a J. Shetty Radio topic. Jay Shetty Roy oh, no, is no, coming no. out. <laughs> no, 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 it's not actually for me. So, God, this um, this Jay Shetty banner is going to be jokes. Um, so basically, our producer 
um, who's actually on this podcast and he's helping us, Rich, who's from Fascinate Productions. So they help us with our podcast and they've been an absolute joy to work with. And um, I've actually pinged Rich before. I said, hey, Rich, we're going to bring you on because honestly, a lot of the storytelling techniques that I'm learning through this podcast journey and just like through, um, I feel it can help in all conversations. Um, a lot of the stuff has been inspired from Rich and also my research as well, but I thought it'd be great to bring him on this segment. So Rich, if you're if you can um, come on board, uh, I'd love to. I'd love for you to start this segment. Thanks for the intro, mate. That's um, a pretty good, <laughs> a pretty good sell. And also, I'm going to prerequisite with this with the fact that it was like one of those things where I was like, "Oh yeah, that'd be amazing to come on and talk about that." But it'll probably be in like six months slash never. I was trying to think about how to kind of apply this to find the most useful stuff for this audience of entrepreneur type people. What sprang to mind was the last couple of years, storytelling being like a bit of a buzzword in like business and marketing. I think especially last year, it was just everywhere, right? All over LinkedIn and stuff. It was always like storytelling. And I just felt like very few people actually knew what they were saying and they essentially weren't saying anything. It was just like meaningless marketing waffle that got popular a little bit like say synergy. And so I suppose like quite a lot of people listening to this might be like storytelling in a business context is just like a marketing fad that's just going to fade into obscurity over time. I mean, like I'm biased obviously because of what I do, but I, I think storytelling is worth the hype. So, and really like you only just have to look back at its origins to kind of know why that is. So if we look back, imagine like family of prehistoric humans sat outside their cave right around a, around a campfire, like telling each other stories. They might be having a nice time, granted, but they're not doing this for fun. Like storytelling was born out of necessity to pass on knowledge through generations pre-writing. So the stakes back then were pretty high. So it could be like, perhaps you're telling your son a story that's going to make him remember the difference between one mushroom or like another one. One might be really nutritious, the other one might kill him or just get him, send him to another dimension. The stakes there like are pretty high, right, in terms of how well they're going to remember that story. So these sort of storytelling techniques have grown with us and they're basically designed to like make stories stick in our mind. And so that's why it's super useful for like, you know, communicating in any, any way. And I mean, they've kind of the susceptibility to stories is like deep within this ancient part of our mind. So if you can master it, you can just kind of, you know, you can get people. So today, like it's not life and death, but storytelling could be the difference between you like pitching your business to like that next investor and getting paid to do what you love or returning to your shit nine to five job in recruitment because your startup just fell apart. Yeah, dude, I completely agree with that. I mean, if you think about the most sort of impactful uh, bits of media that we're privy to, it really just tap into that evolutionary part of our brain. So TED Talks, if you think about it, the best TED Talks start with a story. Yeah. And then and you just think about like, the importance of it from an evolutionary point of view, but also like how it kind of sticks in. Like I, I, I'm reading this book called Storyworthy at the moment by Matthew Dix. It was actually recommended by a guy whose podcast I was on a couple of uh, months ago, a guy called Ali Abdal that I know Jay uh, knows and, and likes as well. He's like this productivity YouTuber. But he's like this champion storyteller, like uh, a teacher that turned storytelling. He's got like these crazy ass stories but it's the way in which you tell stories as well that have sort of that element of surprise, the emotional tug, but also resonance. And the simpler stories and the simplest sort of experience, that's the resonance, not the, the big fantastical sort of blockbuster thing. I actually talked about this. It's so funny we're talking about this week because I talked about this in my newsletter that went out uh, this week. He has this line in the book that I remember forever. It's storytelling is cinema for the mind. 
Mate, 100%. And it's I've read that book. That's a great book, actually. Um, and yeah, you teed sick. me up really well there because with that opening bit, I thought it might be quite good to be a little bit meta. So like used a couple of rules in there, which I was going to talk about. But actually, I did use another one in there, but I didn't think I'd mention it. But you've just talked about it. So the cinema of the mind. So mm. like a good thing that you can do, like if you want to make a point hit home is the first thing you do is you create the scene. So I sort of tried to, that's why I was talking about um neolithic man sitting outside of their cave around a campfire it's all kind of done to try and like put you in a place Mm. and once you're in that place you're a little bit more malleable to start listening there's another rule as well actually which i honestly i think is one of the most important ones and it was i think he talks about it as well but i first heard about this through um trey parker and matt stone and it's called the but therefore rule what that basically is is that between every beat of a story, so that could be like a scene, you know, in this in this instance, it was um, sentences. But between each one, there needs to be like a but and then a therefore, but there can't be an and. So it's basically like this happened, but then this happened, therefore this happened, but then this happened, and therefore this happened. Mm. And that is basically causation. If you start going down a going down the line of this happened and this happened and this happened, this happened, that's the way that everyone is just going to stop caring about what you're saying, basically. You can apply it to so many things. If you write a load of just just like brain dump a load of stuff, say it's for your blog or whatever, and you just look at what you've written and, and you say, is there an and or is there a but therefore, you can see it starts to appear in your mind like a list and everyone's just like not interested in a list. Actually, yeah, in trades, whereas as soon as you find an and in your story, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In the book, he talks about why kids are such bad storytellers, because it's just like, you ask them what they did for the weekend, it's like, oh, I did this and, oh, I did this and. And actually, uh, I was in America for for the stag and I was spending some time with my two godsons. One's four, one's six. And the the six-year-old is going to like a science camp and it's like geared towards like, parents who want to force their kids toward the path of like becoming a doctor and he, he's just going to it because that you know that they just need something for him to do and not hang out in the house and uh, i was asking him how how his day was and they had some interesting cool stuff like teaching him about the heart and like uh, they they made that sort of like a glass jar and then the the plastic diaphragm like a balloon over it. and then you you pull it down and you create negative pressure and then it has two other balloons in your in your jar and it basically causes the balloons to inflate like a pair of lungs so they built that and they did all this other stuff but the way that he told me the story it was like oh yeah and we did this and and we did this and i was like oh man i'm i've looked at your schedule i know it's really exciting but the way you're describing it to me is so boring obviously i didn't have a go at him i was like wow that's amazing but like um but yeah yeah so do, in essence send him on a storytelling camp next <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna tell his dad to send him to a story a storytelling camp so it's a bit more interesting but yeah in, in essence that the, the aim of the game is to not tell tell a story like a like a six-year-old yeah 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 the other one that i think you guys also taught me and also i did a bit of research on i thought was great was actually like the legendary Steve Jobs, right? Um, I think, you know, he's had so many amazing speeches, but the one that probably everyone recognizes was the iPhone one. What he did on that, and I think some people have noticed on it, was that he really just took everyone on a true journey. It's that roller coaster journey. They said the best stories have got the highs and the lows, the highs and the lows, and just you just keep on going on the journey. And if you remember, it was like this magnificent high, right? And he went, look, um, I've got something that is literally going to, like something that's revolutionary, that's going to change the world. And it's an iPhone. 
but most iPhones, then it goes back down. It goes, but most iPhones aren't very good. They suck. And, but ours is really, really good. Ours is different. It's got, it's got multi-touch. It's got apps. But is that enough? We've got this. It's like, he just constantly just pulls you up and down. It's like playing like Yeah, the na- narrative yeah. arc. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's And the, that's, that's the, the guy to look into if you want to know about that. Um, the guy who kind of coined that, that term is Kurt Vonnegut. And he's a, he's a G there's like some, there's some stuff to check out on YouTube. And, and I mean, I think he's written books about, about it as well, but yeah, he's, he's uh yeah, he was the guy behind that for sure. Yeah. And that's quite like, um yeah, I think just bringing people it's all, it's weird. It all, to me, it all ties up into the same thing, right? So the, but therefore is the zigs and zags of a story. And it's like spreading the possibility of how big this thing is. The, the story becomes bigger by pushing to extremes. And it's the same with like, if you think about it on the other axis, like that's the the highs and lows of the story. The other one I was going to talk about is the stakes. So like, if there are no stakes, they don't need to be massive. Like, in fact, if they're smaller, it's more relatable, a bit like what Rupi was saying. So you can't unsee this stuff or unhear it like once you've heard this you'll start noticing this in everything and it is like a total superpower that's a really good point about yeah about how you keep on like seeing and all these things i i just pulled up a blog post that i i read called the internet is having a kodak moment and it basically explains the trajectory of like uh web from like web 1.0 to 2.0 to now like going to the new era through the story or the the narrative of the human evolution uh, and and genesis and stuff so it's like you know back in the day when we had web this is basically when we're like cavemen so they they utilize something that everyone is sort of like used to hearing about to tell what is otherwise quite a complicated story for non-techies um and i didn't know that he was using those sort of techniques either so yeah you you kind of see it like in everything um even in things that i've done as well like my most impactful talks have been where I've talked about my personal story with ill health. And then, you know, everyone's sort of got a story, particularly in the wellness industry, of like how they've overcome something. And then you have that sort of shared connection and bond with patients. You empathize a bit more. Just to counter that, I feel like they got so overdone, some of yeah, those yeah. personal ones. I don't know, don't know <laughs> yeah. what you think, think, Jay, but like some of those yeah. now I'm like, Oh God, I can see. But then maybe that is because I know I know what the game is. But I'm like, your your story is quite similar to the last person. Like, share it if it's legit, basically. But yeah, I think that might be because I'm I'm like cynical. Yeah, yeah. When you're the expert, right? I think whenever you're the expert, you can see things before they happen. And like, we all we all, we're all experts in something, right? And we can just go here. We go. We know. But at the end of the day, like, as long as it's done in a genuine way, you'd hope um, it's all good. But no, we appreciate everything you've been. Um, teaching us on the storytelling side it's definitely made us hopefully more engaging and more interesting so no we appreciate that and um i guess rupi we're probably towards the end of um this episode so is this a is this the moment where we get um our other producer amit to to give us a bit of a i'm summary? always sort of nervous amit, when amit comes back on actually i'm always like yeah no, he's he... even got a new mic for this right <laughs> he's got a new mic ready for this as well yeah yeah we, we've bought him a we bought him a special mic. So no American psycho analogies this week. The first topic was silence. And it was quite interesting about the meaning that we give silence, because I think normally when people think about silence, they're thinking about awkward pauses. And that's why people jump in. Like the silence has kind of set the tone because most companies, like you're always thinking in terms of action and getting things done. But like, if you have 
silence in meetings is kind of setting the tone that the company's also pausing and reflecting. So it's not about just engaging and getting things done as quickly as possible. It's like, are we doing the right things? Um, and then in terms of uh, Rupee's weekly uh, woes. <laughs> New segment. I think the the thing was making sure the business can be done without you. So like make yourself redundant and uh, knowing how to scale yourself. Um, yeah, that was a key takeaway there. Basically firing myself from different yeah. positions after working them. Yeah. yeah. I remember it's a journey, right? Like it's not gonna happen right away. Like this is for any, like no matter what role you are and if you're leading people, it's just, it does take a bit of time. My problem is that, um, this isn't a therapy session or anything, but I think I'm very hard on myself when it comes to that kind of things. So I'm always like, well, I should be where I am today. I should have been here already six months ago. Like that, that's how I'm always like chasing what performance level I feel I should have achieved today, which is usually six or 12 months in, in front of like where I am at the moment. So just getting out of that mindset will probably just, you know, lead me to be a bit more patient with myself. Like I always give myself like, hey, if someone else can do it 70% as good as me, that's good enough. Like, you know. That's a really good way of thinking about it actually, mate, because like I, I'm i literally going for 100%. I'm like I'm like that, you know, uh, yeah. Indian parent sort of analogy. Like, why 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 are you lacking twenty percent here, man? Eight percent isn't good enough. You've got to go for a hundred. You always got to go for a hundred. Um, and that expectation, particularly of employees who are new, is probably not going to be good for the culture. It's not like I'm I'm not berating them or anything, but in my mind, I'm like, no, it needs to be like exactly how I would do it. Yeah. I'll keep you updated on my weekly woes. Yeah, you know, we can talk about that in another one for sure. Do you know one thing I forgot to share, which was a really random start on storytelling? Basically, stories versus just like, you know, regular statements, right? There's a, I read it's like 22x more likely to remember it with a story. Oh, sick. Right? Like something like, there's, a, there's some research done, 22x versus just like classic words. So, you know, if anyone is thinking about becoming a better storyteller, I just think, there is a good ROI if you if you are a data person. So the ROI is there. Are there uh, <laughs> clubs or like uh, meetups that you can go to where you like s- storytell? Because I I went to one when I was in. Um, I visited my uh, my mate who now lives in Chicago, and he actually joined like a storytelling course for like three months. And at the end of the course, they had to tell their story in front of their like friends and family after like you know these these sessions and stuff. And it was really good. There were some really interesting stories. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's like a storytelling course in London that we can go to. That'd be sick. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. See, that happens with like comedy stand-ups, right? You 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 do the training and then you then perform it. Yeah, I guess it'd be quite similar to stand-up comedy, but we can look into it. I, I could never do stand-up comedy. I would crap myself, man. There's no way I'd give up on a stand-up comedy. I think that's like the most stressful job. I think it'd be jokes. I think it would be, I think it's another skill for us that will probably help us through this podcast. Not this podcast, but just through a life. So I don't know, it might be something we can look at. I'm up for it if you are. Yeah. I might, uh, I'll take you offline and uh, I'll, I'll I'll play with you to, to convince you. But um, yeah, good segment or good and good, um, good show today. And um, on to the next one. Thank you so much for listening through to the end. I hope you enjoyed that. And I'm going to be real with you guys. I like winning. I mean, I really, really like to win. And winning to me right now is making a success of this show and building our community of happy millionaires. And I need your help to do this. 
Can you send this show to two or three friends, maybe your business partners or anyone else that could find a better joy listening to this show? If you also want to get in touch to give us any feedback, tell us what you like, what you don't like, even just about something we might find interesting to talk about on the pod, you can get in touch with us through the website, happymillionaire.club. Thank you so much for your support and we'll see you on the next one.